Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus would. We're going to be doing something a little bit different on the radio show today. I will be interviewing one of the speakers from our upcoming apologetics conference in October as a special guest. I know you're going to enjoy this discussion. My guest today is Elizabeth Urbanowitz from Foundation Comparative Worldview Curriculum. Elizabeth is a follower of Jesus Christ who is passionate about knowing Jesus and making him known. She holds a BS from Gordon College in Elementary Education in Spanish, an MS from Northern Illinois University in Literacy Education, and an MA in Christian Apologetics from Biola University. Elizabeth spent the first decade of her professional career as an elementary teacher in a Christian school and now works full-time on developing comparative worldview and apologetics resources for children. Elizabeth, bienvenida al programa. Ah, gracias, Rory. Thanks so much (laughs) for having me on. (laughs) So many of our listeners here in the Pacific Northwest may not be familiar with you or your ministry, so why don't we start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So I actually grew up on the opposite end of the country, grew up in New York, just north of New York City. And I didn't have the privilege of heading out to the Pacific Northwest until I was in a friend's wedding several years ago. So I love your area of the country. Beautiful. Um, But as you said, I started out my professional career as an elementary educator, and I just love teaching kids. Um, I love getting to work with them. And God has just given me a passion for helping kids understand the truth. Um, So I am so thankful that he's given me the opportunity to devote myself professionally to helping kids understand that the Christian worldview is true. So what would you say is the mission or vision of your ministry foundation worldview? Yes, that's a great question and a really important one to know up front. Um, So our mission is really twofold. First of all, we want to equip kids to carefully evaluate every idea that they encounter. Just in the world in which we live today, there are just so many messages that are calling out to kids, you know, some of them that are very obvious, some of them that are subtle. And we want to equip them to carefully evaluate every idea as it comes their way so they can determine, is this something that's true that, you know, should be added to who I am? Or is this something that's false that I need to reject? And while we're doing that, we also want to equip them to understand why they can confidently place their trust in God's word because we genuinely believe that as we learn to think well and as we think clearly that we will see that the world around us lines up with the world that is presented in scripture and so we are just so excited about equipping kids to do these two things as a follow-up how do you teach kids that the bible is true Mm. yeah this is one where you know Roy, what are the ages of your kids? Like, what are the youngest to the oldest? Yeah, the youngest is eight and the oldest uh, just turned 21. 
Okay, awesome. Well, you've seen as you know, as your kids go through these different developmental stages, you know, when your children are four or five, you know, you could tell them that anything is true <laughs> and they will believe you. You know, they just hang on your every word. And it's a really sweet and sometimes also challenging stage of development. But as our kids get older, they start to think for themselves, which is a good thing. We want kids that are critical thinkers. But a lot of times we don't change the way that we instruct our kids in a way that's developmentally appropriate. A lot of times we think about, you know, apologetics or helping our kids understand why they can put their trust in scripture. We we tend to think like, oh, we'll wait until they're in high school or they're in college. You know, that's when they start to question those things. But what we don't realize is that during these more formative years, during the junior high and elementary and early childhood years, these little seeds are germinating, you know, these other ideas. And usually they're below the surface you know, so we can't see them. And then they blossom when our kids are in high school and college. And that's when we think, oh no, what's going on? And by the time the seeds have grown, you know, it's really hard to, to dig them out, to get them at the root where if we can, you know, really target those seeds when our kids are in their early childhood and elementary years, it's much easier, you know, to be proactive in our approach rather than to be reactive. So what you just mentioned, you know, equipping our kids to understand why the Bible is true. You know, we teach our kids that the Bible is God's inspired word, that it that it came right from him. And we genuinely believe this. You know, this is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. You know, the evidence points to Jesus rising from the dead. And he, you know, like he said that scripture was true. You know, he put his trust in the Old Testament. The New Testament writers were those who had walked with him. Um, and so we can have confidence in that. And we also want to help our kids see that, that trust in scripture is not this blind belief. You know, it's not like, well, you know, everything looks contrary to what this book says, but we're still going to trust it. It's like, no, we have good evidence to believe that this book is from God, that it was inspired by God. And when we actually look at the different options of how to view the world, the worldview presented in scripture is the worldview that most closely aligns with reality. It's the one that shows us a correct picture of truth and a correct picture of humans and a correct picture of morality. All of these things really line up. So that's the approach that I take with kids is actually looking at, okay, let's look at what the different options are out there. Let's look at how different people view the world. Which ways of viewing the world actually line up with what we find? And consistently we find that scripture presents an accurate picture of reality. You know, a lot of these concepts are big ideas for little minds. And so mm -hmm. um, how do you explain the concept of a worldview, especially to the younger kids? Yes, I like the way you put that, that these are big ideas for little minds. And and we want to make sure that we're getting these big ideas into the little minds that are in a way that's developmentally appropriate. And so just like I described in that previous situation, you know, where we're taking like an abstract idea of discovering truth and we're kind of putting something concrete onto it, you know, actually solving a mystery. Um, this is what what I would do in any, you know, like in every situation. And so specifically in regards to a worldview, I use an analogy and say that a worldview is like a map that we carry around in our mind. 
and it tells us what's true about life and the world around us. And it affects all the things we think, all the things we say, and all the things that we do. And then to really bring that concept home, what I do for kids is I have them look at three different maps of the world. And one of the maps has the continents all jumbled up all over the place, you know, like Africa is north of South America, you know, and then Australia is right next to Europe. And the kids, you know, kind of laugh and they're like, no, that's not true. I know that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And then they look and they look at another map where the continents are correctly placed, but they're incorrectly labeled. Like Mm. Australia might be labeled North America Mm. and Asia might be labeled Antarctica. And the kids look at it and they're like, no, that's not right either. And then finally, we look at a correct map, you know, a map where the continents are correctly placed, they're correctly labeled. And we talk about how, like, you know, if we know from looking at these wrong maps, we know instantly that they're wrong because we're used to looking at a correct map. But we talk about, well, you know, if, if we weren't used to looking at a correct map, and we actually believed that one of these maps was true, and we wanted to travel from one continent to another, how might that affect our choices and our behaviors and the results and we talk through like we might end some we might end up somewhere completely wrong you know we might be trying to go to Senegal in western africa and we might actually end up in canada <laughs> you know or yeah. we might pack the wrong type of clothing you know if we're expecting to be in africa and we end up you know in the northwestern territories <laughs> like we're going to have the wrong type of clothing um so just to get kids to think like wow if we don't have a correct understanding of the world map we can't really travel well. And then we bring that, you know, to the analogy of if we don't have a correct understanding of the world, of our worldview, if we don't have a correct understanding of truth or God or the start of life or morality or what it means to be human, then the way that we live is not going to line up with what is true. And there can be some serious consequences. So I always recommend that when we're trying to take an abstract concept and teach it to kids, we always attach it to something physical because they can understand that really quickly. You can see it. You don't even have to wonder. You can see the kids. You can see their eyes open up and their whole face light up and be like, I got it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very satisfying (laughs) feeling to connect, you know, with them like that. Let's try a couple of other of these, you know, abstract concepts, um, especially that, you know, they're going to run into uh, in today's world. How would you explain postmodernism to kids? Oh, is this a test? That's a good one. <laughs> I think they're getting tougher. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, so when I explain, first of all, I love that you asked this question, you know, how would I explain postmodernism? Because a lot of times in the Christian community, what we think is we think, oh, we're just going to teach kids the biblical worldview and that will be enough. And now it is really important that we teach kids the biblical worldview, you know, you know that they have a solid understanding of what scripture teaches and how it answers the big questions in life. And then it's also important that we systematically introduce them to other worldviews because they are already exposed to these other worldviews. So we want Mm -hmm. them to be prepared to recognize these other worldviews and to evaluate their truthfulness. So postmodernism is a worldview that in the curricular materials that I develop that I expose kids to. And generally when I'm exposing them to different worldviews, instead of exposing them to one worldview at a time and looking at an exhaustive 
you know, understanding of that worldview, we look at an important question that every worldview has to answer. And then we dive into how do different worldviews answer that question. Hmm. So if we look, for example, if you think of the question, what is truth? I would have, you know, first I would have students just evaluate, you know, where do we find truth in our world? What does truth mean? What does it not mean? How have people confused it? Then we dive into what scripture says. And then we look at what other worldviews teach. So when thinking about postmodernism, postmodernism teaches that we really can't know truth. Like truth may be out there, but we don't, if it is, we like our worldview map is just too fuzzy to understand it. It's kind of like, you know, if we needed prescription glasses and we didn't have them and everything mm. just looked fuzzy, that's what postmodernism would teach that truth is. So therefore, we just understand our own little personal subjective truths. Mm. So therefore, something could be true for me and it could be not true for you. And that's really okay. It's just important that you don't shove your truth on me and I don't shove my truth on you. Mm. And I love teaching this to kids because you mentioned before, you know, the moment when kids, your your kids' eyes light up, you know, like, and they smile and all of a sudden something clicks. And so mm. I love as we go through learning about other worldviews, the really exciting thing is, is that kids at this stage, you know, before they've been indoctrinated subtly by <laughs> culture, <laughs> you know, to believe like, yeah, that can be true for you and not true mm. for me. They understand so quickly why these different mm. philosophies don't work. You know, it sounds really good and it sounds so peaceful and loving, like, oh, that's your truth and this is my truth. But the kids understand so well, like, wait a minute. So you're saying, if I don't believe that gravity exists, then gravity doesn't exist for me. <laughs> and they just get it. They understand yeah. how, you know, that doesn't work. Like, yeah, you know, different ice cream flavors, you know, you might like chocolate ice cream and I might like strawberry ice cream you know so chocolate's the best that's true for you strawberries the best that's true for me but those are preferences you know those really aren't yeah. objective truths but when we're talking about objective truths nobody can live like the postmodern worldview mm. it sounds really really mm. great but nobody can live that way so mm. i hope that was a good answer to yeah your that's 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 very question <laughs> <laughs> another thing that i i appreciate about your perspective is that you don't um undersell kids mm -hmm. i think a lot of times people are like well they're just kids they, they you know we'll, we'll keep them down here and they're, they're not they're not going to learn this stuff quickly they're not going to learn it well and so we'll just kind of give them um way too much of a dumbed down version mm -hmm. and and it sounds like you're saying no they they can pick this stuff up it it reminds me of a just a real quick story. Um, my wife and I took square dance lessons um, <laughs> here here in Oregon. And so, and it was great. Uh, I think we were in our maybe late 20s, early 30s. And a lot of the people that we were square dancing with were in their 50s and 60s, even 70s and 80s. And a lot of um, the people that we were square dancing with were like, hey, the, you know, put the kids over here. And then the adults will learn the square dance lessons. And then at the end, we'll, you know, you can take the kids home. And what was fascinating, Elizabeth, was the kids learned square dancing just watching us do it. They, they weren't even active participants. And then one time I said, hey, come here for a minute. And I called out one of my daughters and I said, let's show the, the other people in our square dance club that you know how to do this. And they were like, there's no way, you know, she's, <laughs> she's five years old. There's no way she'll know how to square dance. And 
people were blown away. They're like a five-year-old just sitting there watching this picked it up and they picked it up. And anyway, all of our kids ended up taking square dance lessons and graduating. (laughs) And um, among the whole, our whole group, our whole square dance community here in the Northwest, people were like, wow, I wasn't giving kids enough credit. Mm. They're so much faster and and they're so good at this stuff. And and you know yes. this as an educator. Kids, especially young kids, they are designed to learn quickly <laughs> and yes. to learn well. And so if we can invest in them at that time. Um, so I'm preaching yes. to the choir, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, but what you I love that example that you gave. That's such a perfect example because with the way that God has designed the child brain, you know, it picks up concepts so quickly, you know, and and just even with brain development, you know, those neurological pathways are still being formed. You know, and as adults, brain research has found, you know, we can develop new neurological pathways. However, it's much more difficult, you know, once our brains have reached maturity than when they're still in that really malleable stage. So you've just described that so well (laughs) that kids can pick up on things so quickly and yeah. with this you know this concept of teaching them you know to pay attention to the worldview messages that are coming their way and what scripture has to say one thing that i was not anticipating when i started teaching the kids in my class to think this way is i you know i wanted them to apply this you know when they watched tv or when they had conversations on the playground or when they saw a youtube video yeah. and that happened but what i wasn't expecting was that they all of a sudden were going to take hold of their education because Mm. they got super excited thinking like, wait a minute, I have a role in this. Like Mm. I actually have to be on guard for what's true and what's not true and evaluate things. And all of a sudden the students in my classroom, they became so excited about learning that it wasn't me trying to motivate them. It it was them like, whoa, how much can we cover? How much can we evaluate? (laughs) And it was so exciting to see. (laughs) I think a lot of the current apologists, they, they, seem to focus a lot on the academic side of apologetics. Mm-hmm. You seem to take a simpler approach. And, I mean, you're an elementary school teacher, for goodness <laughs> sakes. It shows. <laughs> um, so if I could ask you kind of a personal question, Elizabeth, what is your heart of apologetics? Hmm, another great one. And I laughed when you said, well, you're an elementary school teacher because I frequently get the comment, wow, you're really smart for an elementary school teacher. And I want to say, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> no, yeah, so. I, I would say you're very good at taking these big abstract concepts and tying them first to symbols and then to concrete lessons Mm. and objects in front of us. And so I would absolutely take it as a compliment. So my heart for apologetics and then thinking about the apologetics world in general, you know, you you described how there's apologists, you know, studying in, in academia, you know, really on high level things. And um, what I have to say about that is praise God for those people. Sure. You know, that is yeah. that is not my mind, you know, to be able to be coming up with new philosophical understandings. But mm. praise God that there are men and women who God has just blessed intellectually that are doing amazing work to show others the truth of the Christian worldview. So, mm. you know, like we have these really highly academic apologists. And then we have other popular level apologists, you know, who can translate the work of apologetics, you know, down into a level that most people can understand. And that that is incredible work. And so what I, my heart for apologetics is 
is really twofold. I also want to act as a translator in translating apologetics mm. down to a level that children can understand. And in doing that, in doing that work of translation, I want to make sure that the resources that I create and the way that I develop the resources that, that kids are going through is, is in a way that aligns with God's design for the human mind mm. because children can memorize a lot you know especially when they're yeah. under eight years old they have yeah. an incredible capacity for memory and we want to capitalize on that you know we want to make sure that we're having them memorize truth but we want to take it a step further because we could have our kids you know memorize all these apologetic arguments and they could have absolutely no idea what mm. they mean. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I've seen, you know, second graders memorize these amazing scientific facts, you know, about like, you know, like what is the interstate of the Earth's core? You know, like yeah. and they can rattle off this scientific <laughs> explanation. And then if you ask them, so is the Earth's core hot or cold? They're like, what? <laughs> you know, they're like, I just memorized those long words. I have no idea whether it's hot or cold. <laughs> um, so we don't want our kids just to memorize, you know, the set of propositions or the set of arguments. And then the minute they hear an argument that they've never heard before, they mm. think, oh, wait a minute, mm. maybe everything I've been taught isn't true. Mm. So what I really want to do, my heart is equipping kids to think well. Mm. You know, when you think about I, I like to use analogies from teaching because most of us have gone through elementary school at some point in our lives, you know, and mm -hmm. have some vague recollection of it. When, when you think about when you were ta taught to read, you weren't just given words to memorize. Because if you just memorized words and the shape of words, you would be limited to the amount of words that you memorized. Mm -hmm. You could never learn a new word. But instead, what we were taught in elementary school is we were taught the alphabet. We were taught mm -hmm. the 26 letters. We were taught the sounds that they make. And then we were taught to put those letters and sounds together to make words. And once we have that understanding, there is no limit to the amount of words that we can read. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true with our children. We don't want to just teach them these apologetic arguments. That would be like memorizing words because then they're limited mm. to what we have taught them. Instead, what we want to teach them is how to look at an idea and evaluate, is this true? <laughs> you know, mm. how does it line up with good thinking? Where are the mistakes in this idea? Because when we train them to do that, just like learning the sounds of letters and we have, you know, billions of words that we could learn mm. how to how to say, our children will have just any idea that comes their way. They will have the tools that they need to systematically evaluate the truthfulness of that idea. So that, in a nutshell, is my heart for apologetics. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for this whole um, interview, Elizabeth. It has been uh, educational. It's been informative. Um, and it's it's just been joyful and fun to, uh, to oh, talk good. with you. And so... <laughs> Thank you for uh, sharing with our audience today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on, Rory. We only have time to quickly answer one question this week. Here it is from our website. What's a worldview? Now, that's a great question because it's a term you hear a lot nowadays, especially in Christian apologetics. A worldview is simply the lens through which you answer the big questions in life. And what are the big questions? They're the things that every curious person, when they look at the world around them, can't avoid. Number one, where did everything come from? Number two, why does the world seem broken? And number three, how does it get fixed? 
Now, we've answered this question on our website in much more detail than I have time to cover here on the radio today. If you're interested in our full answer, go to our website, theambassadorsforum.com, click on the Hard Questions Answered button, and search for What is a Worldview? But let me just make this one point. As Elizabeth and I discussed earlier in the broadcast, the subject of worldview should not be some esoteric academic pursuit, but something that is tangible and useful to everyone. As she said, even elementary school children can be equipped to understand their own worldview. So, how could a child answer those big questions from a biblical worldview? Number one, where did everything come from? The answer, God created it. Number two, why does the world seem broken? Answer, because our rebellion against him, called sin, destroys all that is good. And number three, how does it get fixed? Answer, God offers us salvation through Jesus Christ if we repent and return to him. When we teach these simple truths from the Bible to our children, they will also be equipped to quickly recognize the deficiencies of inconsistent worldviews that oppose the Bible as they encounter them in their lives. That is what apologetics is all about. Now, how about you? Where are you with the Lord today? What hard questions are you struggling with? The Bible has answers. In fact, it has the answer to the hard question that you are struggling with right now. You can do this, and the Ambassadors Forum is here to help you get started. Go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com. That's ambassadors, plural, with an S, theambassadorsforum.com. While you're there, you can look at some of the questions that we've already answered, You can ask us your hard question. You can sign up to receive our monthly newsletter. You can browse through some of our helpful resources. You can sign up to follow us on Facebook. You can sign up for one of our monthly forum events where we have great speakers like Elizabeth and others presenting on relevant topics. And lastly, please sign up to attend our annual West Coast Apologetics Conference on October 23rd and 24th. You can listen to excellent apologists like Elizabeth and a host of others who are gifted communicators. They will equip you to better defend your faith. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.